Welcome to the latest podcast in the Workplace series from the People Mentor, Nicola Richardson. Well, hi, welcome to the latest podcast from Nicola at the People Mentor. Today, we're interviewing Mark Kingston Jones, who has an unusual business. Well, in my opinion, he has. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Um, so, I'm really intrigued about your business. Just tell us a bit about it first. What is it and how long has it been going? Um, so we we are quite an unusual business. There's actually nobody out there that does quite what we do in the way that we do it, um, mainly because we run team building in zoos and animal sanctuaries. Mm, very um, unusual. Yes. Kind of, well, there are <laughs> people that do some stuff like that, but we actually um, we, we provide our, uh, our participants with drills and saws. <laughs> Um, so they swap those for keyboards and monitors and um, we actually get them building stuff for the animals. Mm -hmm. so it's a bespoke service and essentially um, we'll tailor a, a, something for them to create and build that meets their sort of team building requirements. And then at the end of that workshop, we actually take what they've built down to the enclosure and they yeah. actually get to get, see it going in with the animals. So it, it adds a really kind of meaningful aspect to the whole thing. And it actually really helps improve animal welfare as well, because mm. the things that we're building is stuff that the animals wouldn't be getting otherwise. Mm. So I suppose that keeps the animals entertained, does it? And um, stops them getting bored? Yeah, absolutely. It can be a whole range of different things. So um, sometimes we'll develop sort of feeding devices that kind of encourage more of their natural behaviours. Um, sometimes it could be we've, we've built sort of platforms for tigers and cheetahs and things. So it gives them somewhere different to sleep and rest and yeah. um, kind of look out over their environment. But yeah, essentially the idea is that it's it's improving their their welfare in one way or, a, or another. Mm -hmm. The keepers that we work with already do as much as they possibly can. Mm. Um, but with the best will in the world, time and money is always limited, you know, in any, any, any business life, yeah. and especially with animals. So, um, so yeah, we, we fill that gap essentially with, with participants. So, so that, that um, makes me want to ask, are you very selective about the zoos that you work with? Um, within reason. I mean, I think the, the main criteria that we have is that we, we really feel that by running team builds there, we can help and make a difference. Yeah. Um, um, but we are, yeah. I mean, we, we, we want to support places that we know are doing good welfare and we want to enhance that. Um, mm -hmm. but there, there's very kind of different ways of judging what good welfare is. So yeah, essentially what we want to do is, is actually allow our groups to make a real, you know, tangible difference. And so, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're kind of open to all, all suggestions, really. But yeah, we, mm. that, that's the main aim. Mm. Well, it's really different, isn't it? And, um, and I think I asked you on LinkedIn not so long ago, um, you know, I've got no practical skills whatsoever, or at least that's what I tell everybody. So it would be quite interesting to get me in a team build to see what happened. And funnily enough, I've spoken about your business to a few people and um they've all said the same thing so i think this we have this um vision of ourselves where we're not very practical and i think we all have this fear of going in and doing something like that so how do you get around that i mean that's very very common i think a lot of people assume when we start talking about the business that you know we we kind of tailor to you know young men who are kind of like used to using power tools and stuff but actually that's not the case at all mm -hmm. And the vast majority of our participants actually tend to be female. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly according to our social media stats, actually most of our followers and things are actually female. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and actually a lot of people assume they have no practical skills, mainly just because they've never really had a chance to test it. Mm. Um, 
and uh, and we we actually quite like that at the beginning of a workshop you generally you know some people's idea of team building is that they kind of they're just like oh this is just something i've just got to get through and it's just going to be awful yeah. but it's only going to be a couple of hours and then we'll be done and we can all go to the bar um so generally kind of people walk into the room not having any idea what it is they're going to do and they've got the kind of oh you know i'm, I'm doing team building face and then they look at the tables in front of them that are laden with like you know chunky timber and <laughs> Grills and saws, and they're just like, oh my god, what, what is, what am I about to do? Yeah, what do you expect to me? Yeah, yeah. my god. And, and then we tell them, and they're just like, yeah, you're, you're having a laugh. I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly do that. Yeah. But it's amazing, actually. You see the confidence building as you go through, mm-hmm. and you know, people are like, oh no, I can't, I can't use a drill. Kind of going, well, I'll have a little go, and then, and by the end of it, actually, the number of, we should be on commission from Screwfix because the number of people that come up to us at the end and go, you know, I've never done anything like this in my life. But where can I get this drill from? Because it's, you know, it's quite lightweight and it's actually, it's not stupidly powerful, so it's, it's quite controllable. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it just it just gives people that empowerment. Actually, do you know what I can do this? And you know, just because I've never really tried it before. And and obviously, you know, if you ask someone to build an IKEA shelf, then you know that's not really a lot of fun. No. But if you ask them to build a feeder for a monkey that they know at the end they're going to actually get to see being used, it gives you that motivation to just give it a little try. Mm, I can imagine. More- yeah. And I mean, I suppose we all have this. Um, preconception from our school days and I always remember a bit of metal work I did and it was most appallingly came out um, it was supposed to be a um, book clip thing mm-hmm. and it just didn't look anything like it so I kind of think you have those preconceptions of trying it in safe surroundings is what matters doesn't it so that yeah. nobody's make, taking the mickey out of what you're doing and laughing at you then then you feel that much more comfortable don't you no absolutely and I mean that's kind of one of the important things we Again, we say at the beginning of the workshops, no, we don't want to force anybody to do anything they really don't want to do. And, yeah. and all of our builds are designed, so there's actually lots of little component parts. So if you really don't want to use a drill or a saw, you actually don't have to. There's still other things that you can do. But mm-hmm. we always encourage people, you know, and especially if you do have someone in the group who's really confident with tools, mm. you know, actually tell them don't take over. This is a point where you get some really nice mentorship going on. And, yeah. and that's a fantastic way to actually bond as a team when you've got, in, you know, t- people teaching other people new skills within the team and 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 helping with that empowerment the the very best team builds we ever do me and chris just literally step back and we just mm. watch we love watching people mm. um and it's only really if we kind of we really need to that we kind of you know maybe interject a little bit because obviously the more we interfere the more we, we affect the team dynamics yeah so we do that. it's only if if there's something health and safety wise that we kind of need to step <laughs> on which occasionally happens you know but yeah. um but again we kind of set that up so that's a minimal risk anyway and yeah i bet i bet you see actually quite a lot of support going on for colleagues and for each other and and um it gives it that opportunity to flourish doesn't it because sometimes you don't get that necessarily in the workplace absolutely and it's it is quite an organic process as i say mm. you sort of see people kind of and it, it, there is kind of a thing where you, different businesses obviously kind of have different personalities. Like mm. we had a, a big group of IT people and, you know, they, they didn't read the instructions, which is kind of a, a generalization, but they literally looked at the picture and went, yeah, we can do that. And they didn't actually read the instructions of what we'd sort of said. <laughs> actually, you, in this case, you really do need to read the instructions. Yeah. Um, we yeah. had a bunch of accountants that were like, you haven't given us enough of the figures. And I'm like, no, well, you have to work it out. But they really wanted the numbers written down. <laughs> Um, but it, it's yeah you just sort of see people kind of slotting in and, and, and working on different kind of ways of and again we split people into groups and 
it's no two groups usually sort of start working the same way no uh, different directions but they all still come to the same conclusion in the end generally it's just which you know, yeah which is a really good point which is my thing around um delegation at the moment is that somebody else will come along and if you delegate it to them and they may well do it differently but as long as they get to the right result at the end it doesn't really matter no, exactly. They all end up with the thing. Yeah, so that, that's a really good one there to demonstrate that. Yeah, sounds really interesting. So what made you start your business? Um, well, myself and my, my business partner, Chris, we've been in the animal world between us about 35 years now. And um, we've always worked with sort of around animal welfare as a kind of a central theme. Chris, Chris is a keeper for 20 years um, and I was more in the education sort of welfare background. But um we, we started doing team buildings originally because literally we, we had all these designs for enrichment ideas that we wanted to, to bring into reality and we didn't have the money and we didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. So we just started doing these workshops and thought we can get someone else to pay for them. Um, that was where we were so full-time employed within, the, within our last zoo. And then um, about five years ago now, we, um, our department was basically uh, made redundant yeah. or we were offered redundancy and actually we decided to take voluntary redundancy in the end rather than stay um, because we just felt that we could really expand what it was we were doing. We, we had this, I, this formula that we, we tested quite a bit. We knew it worked, but we really wanted to take it further. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, since then team building with bite was born and um, we've obviously we still really want to improve animal welfare but we've also really worked on the actual team building aspect so and really developed to make sure that the you know obviously mm. if we want clients to keep coming back they need to be getting something out of it as well not just a bit of fun and seeing some animals playing with some stuff so um no it's it's kind of grown from there really that's really good um so tell me a bit more i saw on your um linkedin um, profile you talk about the shape of in of enrichment um the sh yeah the shape of enrichment so in my can't even read i need to get my glasses tested i think um yeah so what what's that all about um so shape is a an international um non-profit um it was founded by um valerie Hare and karen Worley uh 27 years ago now i think right and um the primary aim was essentially to improve animal welfare in any captive setting um, through implementing, you know, goal focused enrichment. Um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of people when you know, enrichment might not be something that, you know, your listeners are aware of, but it's essentially ways that we we, we improve animal welfare by giving them opportunity to, to do different things. And that could be in the form of feeders. It could be in the form of making their enclosure more exciting, mm -hmm. you know, a whole different re remit of things. But a lot of the time people who talk about enrichment they're just kind of chucking stuff in and they don't necessarily know doesn't maybe have a purpose yeah. you know you sort of see a big cat get a sorry my daughter's playing outside that's all right that's fine <laughs> we've had all sorts of noises on my podcast don't worry about it she's letting off some steam she's been having too many mint pies probably um <laughs> but um yeah no um so you know you see someone chucking a, a, a a, a kind of a big plastic ball for a line or something and and they have some fun playing with it but actually what's what's the purpose of that yeah um, so yeah shapes whole remit was essentially to design um to to come up with a framework that people could design things that really met a purpose and again that's something that's really key to to team building with bite we we've we kind of founded it on shapes ethos and both chris and i are instructors for shape so we run workshops um primarily in developing countries um, pretty much capacity building um, 
um, kind of developing, you know, keepers' skills and 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 in some of the places that we work, you know, human welfare isn't necessarily a big topic. So animal welfare definitely isn't. So mm. some of the simple things that in you know the UK we take for granted actually isn't isn't something that they, they even think about. You know, does it matter if the animal gets fed today? Well, it's probably not. You know, right, you just, yeah. it can genuinely be that that level. Whereas we would expect it here, yeah. And it's it's law, and you you know, yeah. you have to do kind of thing. So um, so no, so when with with shape, when we do those workshops, we volunteer our time. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, we'll partner with someone else to try and get the expenses covered. Um, but again, one of the reasons that we we went self-employed, or particularly for myself, I actually wanted to do more for shape. But obviously being in a full-time job that was kind of quite a limiting thing mm-hmm. so um unfortunately ironically i didn't realize quite how much work went into being self-employed yeah <laughs> interesting one that isn't it yeah, yeah. and we will explore that point in a minute so um, yeah but yeah, yeah. No, so um so but what we definitely want to do is as, as the business grows we want to we want to feed more back into shape and, yeah. and support more and, and do more training so the, the two are are very much tied together and that that's coming across from from what you're saying around um i'm getting a a a kind of a vision already uh, of what your ethos and your values are um and i will touch a bit more about that in a minute but um so so how long ago did you say you started it um um, so you've given me the background about that you voluntary redundancy Mm. um so what were you involved in previously so I was actually, um, I was the head of education and research at Howlett's and Port Lynn Wild Animal Parks down in Kent. All right. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd been there for six years and mm-hmm. I worked in, a, in another um, collection before then. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, as I say, that's kind of where we developed the team building. And um, we were running a department at that point of about seven seven people um and then a couple of seasonals and um yeah it was it was it was good but uh, you know again money can be very limiting and unfortunately the easiest thing was to cut labor at that point so um mm. one of the departments that that had to be cut down so but i suppose that, that, that this now gives you the opportunity to develop it exactly as you want to develop it with your partner so yeah. um that's more of an ideal situation than if you, when you're working for somebody else, I would have thought. So, yeah. yeah. And, and we, we, you know, obviously back then we were just working with, with the collection that we worked for. And now mm. we have several, you know, we've got five partner collections. We still work with Portland actually now was outside contractors. So mm-hmm. we've still got a really good relationship with them. And, um, and it's really handy already having the relationship established with the, the management and the keepers and stuff. So we, we, we left mm. them good terms. Um, but um, but yeah, obviously now we've got four other places that we work with, and we're we're talking about adding hopefully two more at least um, next year with any luck. Um, and and yeah, it, as you say, it it allows us to set them up differently. Yeah. And and put more time into it as well because it is actually we we, we make life a little bit hard for ourselves by being so bespoke. <laughs> you know, it would be very easy for us actually to to kind of come up with a simple formula that you know we get twenty people for a half day, so we will build this. But actually, that's not going to help animal welfare. Mm-hmm. And I think actually that would be a detriment to the team experience as well. Mm. So you must, you must do each workshop individually, work out what you're going to build, and then you've got to get it all 
all your diagrams and your instructions i suppose yeah absolutely yeah mm. so it is actually time consuming and again, yeah i can imagine time, that would have been quite a difficult thing to really do so yeah um yeah no it it, it really has given us the flexibility to to grow it the way that we wanted to mm. and not keep it uniform and make sure you've got that that originality in it where each time you do it absolutely mm. and, and it also really helps as well because we we prototype a lot of ideas as well um so you know we have a keeper that says we've got this animal we really want to meet this goal but you know have you got any ideas and we can kind of rather than just saying oh well, we've seen this done before we've seen that done before we can actually come up with something completely new and it actually doesn't matter if it doesn't work 100 percent because with the best will in the world we didn't pay for it yeah <laughs> the, te the team building group did and as long as they still had a great time and understand that it is a prototype and it's something that we need to develop mm. Um, it hasn't wasted anything and then what we'll do is we post those videos on our Facebook page primarily and then keepers around the world actually share those ideas mm. and then they can take that starting point and and develop them further and wow. they wouldn't necessarily have been able to do that if we hadn't have been able to come up with the first post so that's that's really good so that's not only creative for the zookeepers it's creative for the for the team members yeah. um and being in a different circumstances um it kind of opens up their minds a little bit more doesn't it and what you want them back in the workplace to do is be creative to, to look at what they do and can they make it better yeah absolutely. Um, and so that all helps and you but you want them to do it together as a team so you're getting the best of both world so win-win no so, absolutely. and we do you know actually it's it's also a little bit of a sort of a fresh pair of eyes as well because again me and chris have been in the animal world a long time we've seen certain things done certain ways so we do although we try and be as open-minded as possible we do kind of have a set vision of how things probably work yeah. but like we did one um the other week uh we built some tombola feeders for camels and we kind of had an idea of how the mount was going to look but we kept we left it deliberately a little bit not not 100 yeah. finished because we had a half day workshop so we actually said to the participants look if this isn't really working you can tweak it and you can fix it and actually all four different groups came up with slightly different designs and actually two of the groups they were better than what we'd come up with originally mm. um because they'd really played around with it and again they came at it from a fresh perspective so mm. that then feeds back in again into you know the stuff that gets shared out so mm. hopefully that's really good yeah um, sounds good stuff yeah um so what values would you say your business represents um and i always think this is an interesting one um we get a lot of standard ones but i'm intrigued with with what you do what you would come out with i think i think there are some standard ones that we we aim to be as sustainable as possible um obviously you know we with some of the stuff that we do it does produce a lot of waste and we do at least try and make sure that you know we're minimizing that and, and doing you know recycling or or, or at least disposing of things appropriately mm -hmm. rather than just chucking it all into landfill. But I think the, the primary ethos from our point of view is that we really want to improve welfare. Um, and, and the only way we can do that is with this sort of bespoke angle. Um, if we could say we could make more money and we could, we could make our lives a lot easier by doing a formulaic process, but it, it wouldn't improve yeah. welfare. Um, and, you know, we've we've actually talked before about maybe we wanted to look into trying and get some investment or something in the company. But actually, again, that might not work because if somebody came on board and they weren't as animal welfare driven as us, I think actually it would it would stop being. Mm. So so that is that is our primary driving goal is mm. obviously we want to make a living, but we 
we want to make the biggest difference that we can with what we do. So I'd say one of your values is very much about caring because you're caring for the welfare, but you're actually caring as well for your, the team members there because you want them to have a really good experience. So absolutely, and we want them to learn as well. It's you know the one of the one of the really nice things that we don't deliberately focus on because again, it's not everybody's why why they're coming to us in the first place. But we want everybody who participates in one of our workshops to leave knowing a little bit more about not only you know the animals that they worked with but also a little bit about how you know the zoo or the sanctuary community works as well because mm. there is you know at the moment there is a lot of negative feedback mm. on zoos and a, a lot of it's quite unfair it's actually not based on on a on a sound knowledge or yeah. you know, because a lot of the good stuff that happens is behind the scenes and it's not it's not yeah. sexy and it doesn't get shouted about Whereas when people actually are working with us, they're really getting a little behind the scenes glimpse mm. into the, the thought process and the care that really takes place. Mm. Um, and so that I think, you know, being educational, but in a, in a non-formal way is, is really critical as well. It's if we can, if we can have people leaving, caring more about the animals and, and wanting to do more, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that we are a, a major catalyst for behavior change in terms of, you know, we're going to create sort of climate change warriors or anything. But if they if they go home and they think, actually, you know, I'm going to try not to throw that away or I'm, I'm not going to buy all this extra plastic or I'm going to switch my lights off because actually I've learned why this is a problem for some of these animals, then amazing. You know, mm. even one person out of 30 went away and did that. Mm. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, so what's your vision for the next few years for team building with bike what what what's the overall aim i mean <laughs> I've, I've kind of literally got like grand scale through to the have day. you yeah. um but i mean certainly for the next few years um I, I i want to increase the number of partners that we work with um you know so we have we have the ability to, to grow and, and adjust and sort of and, and do more um but i've also got a couple of sort of I guess side projects that I'd really like to develop. Um, one of them is actually combining our team builds with fundraising projects. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we've, I have talked a little bit about on the website and in blogs and things, but it's not, no one's really pick, picked up on it yet. And I, I want to push that more, but again, you know, if somebody comes in and they, they do a team build where they're building something for a sun bear, for example, mm -hmm. um, and then actually they go back to the office and they do a fundraising project either directly for, Sunday conservation or or actually again helping out shape you know that could fund a workshop in Indonesia where a couple of trainers go out and do training for 50 keepers for example and and actually you know capacity builds you know the welfare mm. of some bears in 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 zoos or sanctuaries in, mm. in Indonesia, for example so I, I think in terms of doing the greatest good you know from from mm. each individual team build I think that would really be a, a great enhancement mm. as brilliant. well as a brilliant as, vision yeah, and I, th I think it'll also help with the teams as well because, mm. like you said earlier, like you want people to go back to the office and, and be creative and, mm. and maintain what they learned in the team builds and obviously then going through that fundraising process as well, I think will again reinforce a lot of yes. those things that they learned, keep that passion going and, and instill further the values of, you know, the sort of the, the team bonding that they, mm. whatever it was they focused on within the workshop. So, I, again, I think it can benefit both, but I think that, that would do a lot mm. of good. Um, and that's made me think of a, a question for you um, around, you know, when you get approached about the team building, mm -hmm. do you um, generally have a conversation beforehand about what you really, what they really want to get out of it for the team? Yeah, most definitely. So every, 
um, every single booking or inquiry that we get, mm-hmm. the first thing I want to do is have a phone call um, mm-hmm. and, and find out exactly what it is. Because we do get some people who just like, oh, we just want to team build. And they, and they don't really give any more information on that. And we can work with that. But I'd much rather have a phone conversation and find out a bit of a background about mm-hmm. the team. Is there anything that's motivating them to have a team build, actually dig a bit deeper? And, and are there any issues they need resolving or anything like that? And a lot of the time you do find that from a very generic inquiry there's actually quite a specific reason going on there Mm. Um, and we can really we can really dig into that um Mm. we we did one um about two years ago now actually where they they had a really specific brief they had they we i actually ended up having an hour and a half kind of meeting with them in 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 the bar at port limb um because (laughs) they they basically you know they'd taken over managing two teams they brought them together but there was still a a corridor in between the two offices and this corridor was a massive psychological divide so they still Mm. saw themselves as two separate entities um and so their first inquiry was you know can you get us a team build where all 18 people work together and the honest answer is no, because if you put 18 people together in a room and say, mm. right, build this, they're going to split up into their own cliques and their own yeah. zones. So we really dug down into how we could actually get these guys breaking away from those comfort zones. And we, we actually split them in two and we recreated an entire enclosure mm. uh, inside, um, <laughs> literally mar- marked it out with electrical tape on the floor. It's very good for our sustainability feature, but it, it was quite important. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, literally drew it out on the floor and then we gave them two separate areas to work in. But the whole point was they actually then had to come back together and make those two, hmm. the things that they were building, they had to join up three times. So but that's just brilliant. Be, yeah, it couldn't just be this butts up against this. So it, it counts it. They actually had to create links. Hmm. So it was, I mean, again, I say we love people watching, but watching the communication going on between the individual groups and then trying to bring their, their two visions together was just, it was amazing. It was a... Yeah, I, that sort of thing is just the most rewarding thing ever. And, and as I say, the monkeys gained a, a whole new climbing frame out of it at the end. So, it, it yeah, really... yeah. Um, so that that works really works really well. And it, it reminds me of a story where um, I had um, four teams, two on one side and two on the other side, and there was this big gap, mm-hmm. and there was such a divide. Um, and we spent months trying to resolve it. Um, in the end, we managed to get them all on one side um, with really difficult logistics. And the dynamics immediately changed without that divide in the middle. It's weird. It's just, no. it's just how people behave in their psychology, isn't it? So, but but we, we did get it. And so something like that, where you're building the links across with what you're doing, really would make a difference, wouldn't it? So, yeah, no. yeah, that really starts the ball rolling then, I think. So it sounds a good one, that one. I love the example. <laughs> so thank you for that. No um, I had a bit of a nosy as well on your LinkedIn, and I saw you'd got things about publications, and I was a bit intrigued about that. So all these publications that you mentioned, what are they all about? And... Um, so they're more a bit more of a background to when I was doing sort of the, the research positions. Um, so the, right. the whole reason I actually got into the enrichment world, I suppose, in the first place um, was that I, um, I was fascinated with animal behavior. And when I was at uni, um, I'd done a bit of traveling around in Africa and I'd done some bits with lions um, on my gap year. Yeah. And then when I went to uni, I, I wanted to try and, um, you know, take that forward and can kind of continue it. So I actually started working with um, with one of the professors and, and started my own research project, um, basically creating a remote control car for big cats. 
um, which is not an easy thing to do as your yeah. first project. Um, but um, yeah, it, it basically, um, it, it's pretty much what kickstarted my whole career in, in, the, in the animal world, really. Um, and so, yeah, so out of that, I did, I did get a couple of publications and conference presentation proceedings and things. And I, 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 my plan actually was always just to, to become a keeper. Um, not just to become a keeper because yeah. demeaning it's yeah, they do yeah. we often do that don't we though we all say it so yeah but it's um that was always my my, my aim but actually yeah. because I really enjoyed the research side so much keepers unfortunately never get to watch their animals as much as they'd actually like to despite the fact that's the reason they usually got in the industry in the first place mm. um and so I thought well I'll do education for a bit and then it'll allow me to do the research and then I'll cross you know back over to doing keeping mm-hmm. in the future and it, it never quite worked out like that but it you know, I just as I say I, I love doing the research side of things and and again that's another vision for for the future for team building with bite is we're, we're producing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. but at the moment it's a bit frustrating for me that we're not actually able to really get some scientific research behind that and show what difference it's making yeah so it would be great we, we're, we're talking to a couple of different people doing different research angles at the moment about actually trying to evaluate the impact that the stuff that we're building is having on the animals um, and again, that can only enhance from the corporate's point of view, the fact that they really are making a difference because we'll actually be able to say, you know, we put this in and it significantly increased this behavior, which was exactly what we wanted. So, you know, that, that would be great as well, but it, it's, it's a harder thing I think to, to, to do, but it's, it's mm. a, in the pipeline, I hope. I think, I think the team building and the fact that you're, you're helping the, the animals, et cetera, and the welfare, that, that really, I would think would appeal to a lot of businesses because in in this climate where you need to be for your reputation um being you know you're thinking about the environment and the social sociological I can't say the word in case you couldn't tell um that that's all playing into it isn't it so it's a real feel-good factor in, in, in my view so yeah I, I need to do one I just need to find a team to do it with now <laughs> yeah, we, we can do it as a networking thing we've, yeah we've done all different guys yeah we should we should get Tracy Short to put on a breakfast meeting where we do that I'm, I'm working on that yes yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I was gonna bring that up in January so yeah um, yeah so, well yeah. I shall see you in January so that'll be nice yeah. so um yeah um What's the biggest lesson that you've learned since starting your business? Um, I was thinking about this question and I'm, I, I, I couldn't come up with a very good answer. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think one of the things I, I use, I kind of use it as a bit of an excuse that there's sort of the, I, again, because of the background, I kind of divide people into animal people and people people. All right. And, and I, 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 a lot of animal people don't like working with people. That's the reason they go into working with animals in the first place because they don't want to deal with people. Yeah. Um, and actually that, that was quite a good lesson for me because it means that sometimes some of the people you work with can be the most difficult people around because <laughs> none of them want to work with each other. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I, I think that there's definitely a lesson in that in that I, I, I was able to kind of walk that divide and, and do the human side and do the animal side and, and I, and again, that's kind of one of the reasons why the team building, we sort of started doing it. Cause we were like, well, if we can kind of do this, we did a shape workshop uh, in um, Romania and we had three keepers that we kind of put into a group that we knew couldn't stand each other. <laughs> but the boss said, look, you know, I, I need to try and get these guys talking to each other. Can we, I know it's probably going to cause a problem, but can we put them together in a group? 
and and we said yeah no this is the this is the time to do it this is the opportunity to do it and um and at lunchtime we had a group of other keepers come up to us and go oh my god have you seen what's happening over here like not only are they talking to each other without shouting they've all grabbed their lunch and they've gone straight back to work which never happens <laughs> you know so wow. it was kind of it was actually kind of the 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 I've gone up, that was a bit of a tangent actually um I thought that was coming back to a point but um but it, yeah I, I think I, I think being able to actually kind of see human behavior from that side I think is actually quite a good lesson in business and I would say I'm an animal person not a not a business person but I think we have kind of built a business so actually again it's I suppose a little bit about it just proves that you can still do it whether whether you like people or not to be honest I think and whether but you just need to develop yourself at the same time I would have said so that is the lesson I suppose no definitely and 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 also just having the the confidence to believe that actually you can yeah you can do it I get yeah absolutely yeah having that having that confidence Mm. interesting one I like the example yeah I say it wasn't didn't quite lead in the way I thought it was going to in my head but no but yeah (laughs) no um what's the most rewarding aspect to you I I just think it is it's 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 seeing the feedback from both the animals and the people um it's genuinely is the, is the best feeling I, i've you know i've always built stuff for animals and i've always got a buzz out of seeing their reactions to it mm-hmm. but actually again it was a bit of a surprise to see that even when you set other people up to do it it's actually not it's almost as rewarding and you know mm-hmm. still there's still something to doing it yourself but mm-hmm. yeah really really seeing the animals responding to something that some you know something that you set up but then again actually seeing the responses of the people mm-hmm. to it as well um and again sometimes that's surprising yeah so one of the things i like is your thought of going forward for your vision about the fundraising because for example i find that you do some fantastic work in a team building and then they go back and they forget it all and it's about reinforcing it and making sure that it is continually reinforced and you can't just do it once or twice you've got to keep doing it haven't you so yeah. by having fundraising that will oh yeah that's when we did that team building that's when such and such happened um and then that starts triggering those memories that bring back the good bits so yeah no definitely and we always do that as well so we we always take photos and videos during the, the team building of the animals response as well so the photos we generally put up straight away but the video we normally leave at least a week mm-hmm. then when we post it and then we send the link back to the client again it's that it's like you say it's it's triggering those memories yeah but then we also then try wherever possible to go back you know several months later and actually feed back and go you know again you know this is how the animal's coping with something that you've made six months a year later um and actually that communication one that we did with the the, the two groups we actually we just so happened that we we were at Port Lim and we saw the monkeys on the climbing frame so I just got a couple of shots and I I just emailed it to the the, the manager of the team you know 18 months later mm. and he said actually do you know what it's still people still talk about it because it's such a memorable thing it's such, yeah. so different and I think again if you can if we can use the the ongoing story of the stuff that they've made like you say just to reinforce those lessons because mm. it, it will it will trigger memories that and it will make them start thinking oh yeah that's when we did and this is what came out of it and it will work um i have this thing about i'm going to confess something i have this thing about food memories and yeah. 
and that really you know that was the time when I ate so and so and that's how I felt at the time and that was with so and so and it is it's weird isn't it so yeah great stuff so um how do you define success and what do you think makes someone successful I think um I, th well, I think first and foremost my ideas of my own success are probably quite different to most other people's but I, I think I, I, I prefer to focus on the like the smaller successes like okay. kind of you know as I say I've got I mean I've got huge aspirations for where I'd like this business to go and, and how it could develop and but I I'm aware that the very sort of furthest reach of I've got of that that's not my definition of that I've been successful if I get that far mm -hmm. I think hitting each individual stage each of those is a success on its own. And if I don't take it any further, it'd be a shame. I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd like to take it as far as I can go, but I, that shouldn't detract from the successes that I've had so far. Mm. So I, um, I, I, again, it's kind of like, you know, I, th I think you see it in, you see it with animals. You, the, there are moments of you create challenge for an animal and, and actually it sounds like a weird thing, but you can see the moment of success, that eureka moment for them, where they actually, you know, they, they physically can't control themselves. They have a little bit of a moment of, oh my, you know, I did it, yeah. <laughs> um, you do it with, I don't know, if they, like you do sort of training with your, with your animals or anything, or, you know, dogs at home. But they, when you're doing that training mm. with them, they actually have a little, oh, I understood, you know, it's just, it's a great little moment. And I think. Mm. And the I fact that you make such a fuss of them as well, when they yeah. do it. Absolutely. So it's rewarding for both of you. Most definitely. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think we can learn a lot from from that actually, mm. and just that you know there are loads of little successes that we experience, and if you're so focused on that big final success, mm. actually you miss a lot in between. So I, I I like to keep my focus on success quite small. Mm. So, um, yeah, if I can if I can reach my furthest aspirations, that would be amazing. But I I'd like to think that if I don't, it won't be I mm. won't consider it a waste. And I actually think that's a really good tip for everybody listening because um, we we do get focused on the, the bigger picture and actually we should celebrate every little step that we take. And even if it's learning something new or getting a customer in or like doing a team build and seeing the people in it actually going away and having got something out of it. Maybe they're not where you want them to be, but they've certainly moved on or, you know, developing a new skill is a fantastic one. And the amount of people I see who develop new skills every day mm. but through by asking a simple question and they don't, don't trigger it. Mm. Don't realize that's what they've done. Mm. And it's something we should celebrate, isn't it? Most definitely. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Um, have you ever had to deal with failure? Um, I mean, again, probably like on small scales, yes, quite regularly. But um, I think I think the biggest one that sort of stands out to me is um, when I, I actually left my first zoo-based job um, because I wasn't. I decided I wasn't happy anymore, and I thought, well, I just can't. I don't. I didn't want it to get to a point where it was becoming too toxic um, because I got a lot out of what I was doing, and I just it just needed to move on, basically. So. Um, then in between that job and then and then moving on to the next one I went for a lot of interviews mm -hmm. and pretty much every interview I went to I was either being told I was underqualified or overqualified and it just got to a point where it was I just mm. literally felt like I don't fit in mm. and and I you know sometimes I think people use those mm. I was young and you know people probably just use that as a sort of a throwaway yeah they couldn't say well you're too young for what we want around here or yeah it's amazing what people do 
um, resort to using when really that's not what they should be saying at all and they should be quite honest but no, so actually what that tells you is that those businesses weren't fit a good fit for you because if they couldn't be open and honest yeah yeah absolutely and I think I, I, it got to a point where I did start to feel quite down about the mm. whole thing that I'd really made a mistake and and then the job came up at, at Howlett's and Port Lim and it was only a seasonal contract and I I went for the interview thinking there's no way I'm going to move my life you know down to down to Kent just for a six month job but I walked around for four hours and I just completely fell in love with the place and and oh, yeah. again at the interview they said you know you're you're a bit qualified for this job and I went doesn't matter I, I really want to do it and I persuaded them that it wasn't an issue mm. and um, yeah I went in for a six month job and I was there six years later so oh. <laughs> worked my way up the ranks and you know well it, done I, yeah I, I think it was but it and again it, I'm, I'm imagining you don't get a huge amount of animal animal sort of you know students and things listening to your stuff but it is it's it, the the industry is is full of people who want to get a position mm. and there's a lot of people that you know it it, it throws a lot at you and, mm. and it's, it's it's almost learning a bit of a resistance that you know you you have to persist you have to if you really want to get the job you just have to keep trying and keep trying and um and we see a lot of people who unfortunately give up too early and mm. which is a real, a real loss to the industry but you, you've you've got to be persistent mm. to, to make it forward so I think that was it was kind of it felt like a failure at the time but I think it kind of really mm. the, the ending was good and it was just getting through that yeah and I think that's another good tip for people listening is you whatever you whatever it is if that's what you really want to do or really want to achieve then just keep plowing on because eventually you'll get there with determination so yeah so thank you for sharing that one thank yeah. you so um what would be your number one piece of advice for people who want to start their own business? I think I kind of, again, linked to the, the previous point really is it's just taking the opportunities. It's um, I, I, I'd been thinking about going self-employed for a while before I did. And I was, you know, scared to take the leap. And then, you know, the voluntary redundancy came up and it was just, it was, it, again, it was just the right time. Mm. Um, and it, and it, it just made the decision a lot easier, but I, I, again, I, I think I, it was a good thing that I waited as long as I did and it was just a prime opportunity, but it, it is, it's grabbing those opportunities, even though they don't at the time seem like maybe the best sort of move or, or not directly linked. I pretty much everything I've, I've achieved in my career has just been through, you know, taking those weird opportunities and making them work, making them, you know, making them an advantage rather than a bit of a sort of sidestep. So yeah taking yeah. that presented i think yeah and i think that's a that's a good bit of advice um i'm going to now go off script much to your disgust probably but <laughs> um and so what i'm going to say to you is have you got any new year resolutions for january 2019 and onwards for yourself and your business um I, I don't normally make New Year's resolutions for myself personally, um, mainly because I think I used to and I never used to stick to them. So I kind of <laughs> figure, I guess, if I'm going to do something, I'll do it any time of year. But yeah. um, for the business, definitely, um, I, I want to make sure that 2019 is is a really big year for us. We, we've been steadily growing and we're not quite sustainable yet because it's because it's two of us. Yeah. Um, but I really want to make sure that we nail our marketing messaging in yeah. 2019 um because i don't think we do that well enough right now and i think that's holding us back um and i also really want to 
try and get some help actually because again at mm. the moment I'm quite bogged down in a lot of admin stuff that's mm. probably also holding us back so I, I've been saying for the last sort of year year and a half that I, I could really use a VA and um, mm. <laughs> Louisa's um, uh, um, sorted like Santa uh, um, yeah. uh, videos every day have just been making me realize why I, I desperately need one even though I don't feel I can afford one um, so yeah. I, I think that is a big a big new year yeah one. i need to just take again take that leap and, and get help yeah so what so what i'll say to you and all the ones who are listening that's a nice little intro for me and we didn't even plan this i have to say um is i'm just about to release the art of delegation so if you want to um subscribe to it just dm me and i'll send it to you it's a lovely little ebook so there you go and have we frozen Right. Well, I think I think we're going to have to call it a day today because I look like I've lost Mark. Yes, we've lost him. Well, it would appear that we've lost Mark. Um, internet issues, um, and that that's always uh, an issue when you're uh, recording virtually. But at least we've had quite a bit of time with Mark and been able to ask him some questions. Um, and we even got to New Year's resolutions. So I'm really pleased with that. So this is the People Mentor signing off. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Mark, for taking part. Bye. See you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you need any help or advice, please contact Nicola on Nicola Richardson at thepeoplementor.co.uk. The People Mentor, driving your business forward.